Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. And uh, the cup has been won. Plenty of stuff to talk about, though. Uh, we'll wrap up that and uh, touch on some things that are going on around the league. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Get it wherever you get podcasts from or the old-fashioned way, pulphockey.com. And uh, we really appreciate it. I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line to uh, really give us the down low on everything, the man you really want to hear from, former NHLer, former Hartford Whaler, now uh, lead analyst for TSN, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? I'm good. I'm coming home from the golf course. I am 99 and 9 tenths on holidays. I've got one day of work left, which is free agent day on July 1st, and uh, I am thrilled to be home. Yeah, I really. How many games do you do a year? I think you've told us, but just to, how many? Well, no, Gord, Gord Miller counts heads. So okay. I'm going to go off of. So let's see, 48. I we do. I do 48 NHL during the regular season. I do. I think 20 at the World Juniors at 68. Mm-hmm. I do 30 at the, the World Championships at yeah. 98. 98. Uh, <laughs> I did the Olympics. That was 15. It's 113. The finals was five. Uh, yeah. About 125. Yeah. I guess. Good God, that's, and, a, that's a lot. And two of them were in the city I live in. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the worst part of it all, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could, if the games, you know, if if Cammie and I actually lived in a city mm-hmm. where I worked, it would be way easier. Yeah. However, we made this decision a couple of years ago when, um, when the broadcast rights went to Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided that we were, um, you know, we were going to stay in Vancouver. We weren't going to move to Toronto. We weren't going to move to Chicago, where her family's from. We were just going to stay here because we like it here. And um, as a result, that's lots of travel. Yeah, like that was that was the trade-off yeah. to it. And, but the boy, you know, our boys know this is home, and we love it here. And so I got to suck yeah. it up and travel, and that's just the way it is. Look, if you're the, the the best ever women's hockey player to ever play the game, and and then you played 18 years in the NHL, and you can make the kind of money to live in Vancouver, then then do it. <laughs> okay, but but yeah, but here's the thing, though. So I played 18 years. I started in 1983 or 84, rather. Yeah. Right. I retired in 02. Little different pay scale than <laughs> just, the fellas today. Just a tad. That's a, that's number one. Number two was I got divorced in 2001. And if anybody knows anything about that, that's not a pay raise. Yeah. So had I played 10 years later or not been divorced, I would not be talking uh, to you. 
<laughs> you would not be calling games. You would not be talking to me. No. <laughs> no, and I would have a way better golf swing. Yeah, you would be. You I would. Mean, I would be doing something, though, Steve. I, you know, like I. It's funny. I talk to guys that have retired. and They got multiple millions of dollars in the bank. And yep. Yep. They're great for a couple of years, and then they're like, "I, I got to find something to do." Yep. Driving me crazy. Yeah. And you know, it all sounds fine and dandy. You're 35 years old. You don't have to work anymore for a lot of these guys. But they're they're like, I'm going crazy. I need to have a reason to get up and get moving. Otherwise, you just sit around all day and and yeah. you don't do anything. And so it's you know it's it's not like they're saying, oh, whoa, me. But they're like, yeah, you know, there, there's got to be some motivation to your day. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. You would have been about a five million, six million a year guy now. Yeah, your stats. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I try not to think about it. Right. But what yeah. I do, whenever I get, whenever I get, oh yeah, I, you know, I probably would have made five million bucks a year. I honestly, I think about the guys that came before me. Yep. And they made nothing. Mm-hmm. Like those guys, you know, guys like, um, like Hall of Famers, Benny Podfin, Mike Bossy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Well, you can't include Messier or Gretzky and those guys, and like you know, because they played a little bit later and they played long enough to, you know, they were significant players, yeah. you know, like stars of the league. Yeah, yeah. But guys like, for example, on that Oiler team, Andy Moog, you know, he, mm-hmm. he and Grant Fuhrer didn't make the the money that they should have made had they played late. Yep. So you can always, oh, for sure, it's like anything. You can always bitch and complain about something, but. We did, my era did fine. Yeah, we didn't do what the guys are doing today, but we certainly were a step at, you know, a step past what the guys, the guys did in the past. Yeah, I remember Brett Hall got a deal in the 92 or 93 for, was it 750 a year or something? And it was, no, it was, it was five years for five million, like a million a year. Was that it? And okay. The yeah. I know that. Okay. Because his agent was Bob Goodenow. Yep. And when Bob took over the Players Association, it was right after he had signed Brett to that contract. And the first meeting that I was ever in with Bob, I was with the Hartford Whalers. We were at Avon Old Farms School, which is where our practice rink was. And we were in this kind of conference room thing after practice. And he was explaining what he was going to do and what could happen. And he said, you guys are going to laugh at Brett Hull's contract in a couple of years. And we were all making like a hundred. Yeah, you're, you're like what? <laughs> we're like this guy is smoking some stuff. Yeah. And Bob told us two things that really stuck with me in that meeting. One was about Brett's contract, and two was you're going to need to disclose salaries. And if you publicly disclose salaries, two things are going to happen: the fans are going to get on you to tell you that you make too much money, mm-hmm. and two, the owners are going to tell you. That it's wrong what you're doing. You're hurting the game. And as soon as the owners tell you that, that means you're doing it right. You got them. Yeah. Yeah. And both of those things happened. The fans got on us. The owners told us we were doing the right, th- the wrong okay. things. And Brett Hull's contract went in the rearview mirror pretty quick. Of course, Brett made more yeah. later on. Yeah. But yeah. All of the things that changed in that meeting with Bob Goodnow as our uh, yeah. as the as rep. our new hand. Right. You know, like, lots of stuff's been written and said about Bob, and I saw him at the World Championships, and I said, I know things didn't end so great, but Mm -hmm. you realize there's a a great many of us that 
really understand and really know we owe you a lot. Because he, he brought us from one level to a completely different one. Well, we don't have enough time on the pod to go over Alan Eagleson and his reign on the PA. You know, uh, not... not feastum. Yeah, not, not doing anybody any favors, for sure. And, and in a, yeah, he did. He did himself. Yeah. He did himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in a roundabout way, that's saying Vancouver is a super nice place to live in, by the way, everybody. <laughs> that's a roundabout way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful so let's city. Get back on track. Yeah, let's do that. Let's All right. So, Stanley, the Stanley Cup champions are the Washington Capitals. Let that sink in for a little bit. Um, they did it. They were the better team than Vegas. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there was some sort of parade or something going on today here in Vegas for the team, which is kind of cool. A little thank you celebration. My wife is down there as we speak uh, saying thank you to the players. But anyways, um, you've talked a little bit on some hits you've done about you've, do, you've done these games before. You've been on the ice. You've seen these guys. This was a little different, huh, Ray? It really was. The, um, the emotion um, is always there. Like you always see – players rightfully so just mm-hmm. you know just so happy they've they've fought their way for two months after a long season they've had ups and downs in the playoffs they they're all banged up most of them um and yet you know they win and they're just so happy but this was different and the reason for me that i saw it was different and i was on the ice almost immediately um before they went into the handshake line um, I was on the ice. Um, and so I, I interviewed a couple of players, Evgeny Kuznetsov, um, literally right in front of the Washington bench where they're handing out the hats and the shirts and the trainers are out there. And it wasn't just that the guys were happy. It was, there was this outpouring of emotion that was plainly obvious. I've never seen so many guys crying. Mm-hmm. Um like just relief yep. pouring out of them. Um, when Ovechkin got to the point where Ted Leonsis was, and Leonsis was walking around, he looked almost stunned. <laughs> right. You yeah, know, like, yeah. like after all this time, we finally won, you know. And Ovechkin got there, and he picked him up like a 10-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Like he had him up at Ovi's chest. Like he picked him up <laughs> right. right off his feet. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy how happy these guys are. It was impossible not to get caught up in the emotion of what I was seeing yeah. and, and what these guys were feeling. And so, you know, I almost didn't even notice when Vegas left the ice. I can't even tell you if, if the fans stayed and cheered for a long time because mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I was surrounded by these Capitals guys that were, you know, out of their minds with joy. Yeah, yeah. I would guess it's a little bit, and this is a lot, another era, but, you know, when the Islanders finally broke through, remember they had some big failures for a couple of years, and when they finally broke through, it was just one of those things where people were, and the Red Wings too, like, are they ever going to do it? Are they ever going to do it? And if you're and if you're Ovi or Holtby or um, Backstrom, Backstrom, you've been there, you know? So. Well, and the, and the other thing, you know, for the relief as you, uh, you know, uh, to discussing the relief the players would feel is that not only do they, you know, do they feel the sting of the disappointments of the past, but when people talk of teams that fail, those guys are used as examples. Yeah. You know, yep. and so that's, 
that's got to get old. And you're a player like Nick Backstrom. You're one of the you're one of the half dozen most underrated players in the league. Yeah, you love this guy. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. he's a brilliant player. Yep. He played the he played the from the Pittsburgh series on with a couple of fractured fingers. That must have felt great. Right. Right. And and so everything everything that was held up as an example of a team that choked, it was the Capitals. Year after year, 100-point year, 100-point year, 100-point year, Ovi scores 50 goals, Backstrom gets 85, 90 points, Holby's up for the Vezina or the lowest goals against average, and they lose to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember when Kuznetsov scored in overtime against Pittsburgh, right? Yep. And Ovi's, like, that was really the first time, I think, we saw the emotion of what this means to those guys to finally get by Pitt. Yeah. To finally give themselves a chance. And then we saw in the finals, like, you know, they, they all just wore it right out on their sleeves. They played a brilliant series. They were, even had Vegas won game five, that was over. Yeah. There, there was, yeah. that wasn't coming back to Vegas. No, I agree. I agree. We, we, we did a, we did the uh, show, I think, when it was uh, 2-1 caps. Maybe it was 3-1. No, I don't know what it was, but I thought that the, the teams kind of split the first two games. You kind of said that the caps got one, the Vegas got one. But, yeah, looking back on it, it was that first game, that wild and crazy first game, where tons of things happened that Vegas Vegas snuck that one out, right? And then if you really look at it again, like you, the caps were better. They were just better. Once the series got organized, yeah, yeah, you know, like that first game was wild. I can't imagine, like, for all those players, the only, there was only three that had been to a final before: uh, James Neal, Mark Andre Fleury, and uh, Brooks Orpik. And for the for everybody in that game, it looked like their hair was on fire. They were yeah, running all yeah. over the place. Yeah. And then the series got organized, and you know, the Cavs were a better team. And I would say the one thing that became apparent. As much as the story of Vegas getting to where they were was just remarkable, mm-hmm. is that you do need, I think, it's, it's obvious, you do need a, a top end of the lineup. Yeah. Vegas had a whole bunch of the middle end, or the middle part of the lineup, mm-hmm. but look at what happened at the top end. Holtby, John Carlson, uh, Ovi, yeah. Backstrom, yep. Kuznetsov. Vegas can't compete with those guys. They just can't, and it's that's an expansion team. Like, yeah. how the hell are they going to compete with? Yeah. And so, you know that that just became what um, what the series was about. It, it was about a, a team that played. You know, if you're our age, you know what a standard car is. When you used to yeah. try and drive fast, you'd drive it right up on the red line. Yeah. As long as you can, and then bam, you'd shift it in. Well. Vegas played for six months on the red line. Mm-hmm. And eventually they had to shift gears. And when you shift gears, you slow down. And whether they slowed down 5% or 10%, mm-hmm. the top end of the lineup was the difference. They couldn't get it back. Reminded me a little bit of Panthers' run when they, went, when they met the Avalanche. Sure. You know? Yep. yep. They ran, they ran they uh, Van Biesburg. They ran John Van yep. Biesburg for a while. And then once they got to. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Um, like they just they couldn't couldn't compete with Joe Sackick, et cetera. Yep. Uh, I found it interesting, Ray. You're not a big like I, I, I know you read the stuff and you follow you know Twitter and, and but you don't you're not a guy that 
believes in media narratives. I don't think anyways. And a guy that like kind of, it, it just is what it is with you. There's not bigger stories that sometimes the media tends to make it out with, but, but I'm a guy that reads the stuff and on the outside of a fan, I found it interesting, Ray, that a lot of the media that took Ovi to task for many years, for many failures with the Olympics, with the Capitals, uh, embracing Putin a little bit before the Sochi Olympics, a lot of these guys started pulling for him for the cup. And I get it. I, I kind of got sucked into it, too, and we'll talk about his celebration in a little bit because I want to get your feelings on that, his, his post-celebration. <laughs> post but really interesting narrative for Ovi and it's switched, and I guess that's just human nature, right? Well, it is, yeah, for sure. But it also, in in my opinion, shows a total lack of accountability of the media. Mm-hmm. Because in while these guys now are humping Obi's leg, they are, yeah. None of them said I was wrong. Hey, I read this player wrong, mm-hmm. or wow, he's really changed, and this is what I used to think, and this is what I think now. And that, to me, would be far more credible than the the way that they yeah. it became an OP love fest because I think it's phony. You, you're with me though, right? Like you're with me on the love fest. It got a little much. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think it got much. And the reason I don't is that if that was an if that was Jonathan Tate, mm-hmm. which it was at one time, mm-hmm. oh my God, he was held on this pedestal of leadership. What did Jonathan Taves do that Ovi didn't in the last two months? Yeah. And the answer is none of it. Mm-hmm. Ovi played this playoff round or this playoff tournament as exceptionally as you could, right back to the first round when he guaranteed they were going to win the two games in Columbus after they lost the first two. And he scored, and he got them on the board in Columbus. And he came up large for them in that first round. Hell, they could have been out in five games. Yeah. Game three of the Columbus series went into double overtime, and they scored when the puck went in off of Lars Eller's foot. Like somewhere in that 27 or 8 minutes of overtime, Columbus could have scored, Washington would have been done. Yeah, three zip, yeah. But so... I don't think it was over the top in writing about the leadership, performance, mm-hmm. um, the the way that he played, not just the goals, but the way that he yep. played. All of that stuff needed to be written about. What bugs me is the media that can't take accountability for having a stand, yep. which is fine. Yeah. But when you make a stand, sometimes you're wrong, and I'm wrong lots of times, and I have to say, because it's just in my way to say, man, I screwed up on that. Mm-hmm. I like I always make fun of my predictions. I'm like, I should know better. I get half of my bloody predictions wrong at the start of the year. I'm like, I should know better than this, yeah. but you've got to own up to it, and a lot of people in the media don't. Yeah. Uh, I specifically remember doing this podcast last year. You thought he needed to lose some weight to get quicker. You, yep. th- you thought he needed to maybe you know rediscover his love a little bit, his joy of hockey. You thought maybe it had been wearing on him a little bit. And uh, do you think that, I mean, obviously it seemed like it, it did. He, he had a terrific playoff. He scored 49 goals during the regular season. Nobody else did that. I mean, the guys aren't dumb. They yeah. know. It's just whether they want to put the work in. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's not easy to say, okay, I'm heavy, I got to lose some weight. You know, so he had to lose 
10 or 12 pounds. And that's what he lost. I mean, you look at him. He's not a small guy. No, he's no. never. When we see Ovi at age 50, he's not going to be 200 pounds. He's going to be. Yeah. He's going to be 200 and a lot. <laughs> right. Yep. But right now, he got himself into shape. He. They seem to find whatever chemistry they needed. It took them six or eight weeks. You know, they were into December before they really got rolling. And then in the playoffs, it looked like. Yep. He was having the time of his life. And, you know, he's such an immensely talented player. Like, he does things other people just physically can't do, whether it's shoot the puck, whether it's overpower people, um, you know, at 230 pounds. He's just an impossibility to handle when he's as committed as he was. And then he starts to do this other stuff. You know, a lot was made of him blocking shots. Um, But what I found, Steve, was – he found a way or he found the realization that he could impact the game without scoring a goal. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the biggest change in Ovechkin. Any, uh, what do you think of his post-celebrations post, uh, at the Nationals game, in the fountain, at these bars, on Jimmy Fallon? I thought it was great. It's awesome. I think it's, I think it's hilarious. The only thing I wish I would say is I wish the guys at the parade or – you know, the parade that ended up in the celebration mm-hmm. and all that. They didn't need to be dropping F-bombs all over the place. Yeah. There's lots There's lots of young people there, and you you can have a whole bunch of beers and They're not, not swear. swear all the time. <laughs> right. It becomes a little bit of a challenge, yeah. as we all know. Right. But that's the only part I wish would have been a little different. They want to go swimming in the pond or in the fountain? Yeah. Go in the fountain. Right. You, my, my favorite part of this thing was – at the Nationals game, when Ovi was standing there with the cup over his head mm-hmm. in the outfield yeah. <laughs> during the during the fourth inning, nobody even knew what the hell he was doing. Right. He must have just said he, he must have just thought, "I need to hold Stanley Cup overhead." Yeah, and he just exactly. was standing. Yeah, like, like it had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Right? and you know, like there's all kinds of poll questions on the radio on the radio, you know, around here. Is this? Is the celebration excessive? And I'm like, oh, for crying out loud. We we bang on the players when they don't show emotion. Then we bang on them when they show too much emotion. We bang on them when they don't say anything. Then they say something, and then we give them crap for saying too much. God, you know, like, honestly, there's so many more things to get your pants in an audible. That's not it. I just, I think the narrative, like, people got to remember when he was getting destroyed for these Olympic failures, cap failures, you know, this stuff with Putin. I mean, people were destroying this guy online. And Yeah, don't forget, he didn't, he didn't care about the Olympics. Or he didn't care about the Stanley Cup. It was yeah. only the Olympics. Yep, yep, yep. That was one of the other ones, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, the truth is that he's never was as bad as these people made it out. And, you know, and now he's well, got a cop. In case, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like anything. Yeah. It's never as bad as you think. It's never as great as you yep. think. Although, I'll tell you. They are giving this a run. Right now. <laughs> they are, yeah. Um, so you told us on this show, and many people have speculated, Barry Trotz was gone, uh, and, and that's you know that was that was what seemed to be going on, and his agent was kind of dropping some hints here and there to some different people. But now I read today. I mean, he, McClellan said he's going to be there if he wants to. Trotz said they're working on a deal. Like he may actually be back. Imagine that winning the cup gets you a raise and gets you everybody makes you happy after that. Well, a couple of things to read into that. McClellan said 
you know, he'll be back if he if he wants, wants to. to. Yep. Right. So that pitches the ball back into Trotz's court. Mm-hmm. So they could make him a four year offer at three million dollars per year. Yeah. And he's going to say, yeah, beat it. Yeah. Scram. That's not, you know, he was making one point five million mm-hmm. by the standard that was set after Mike Babcock signed in Toronto. He became grossly underpaid for a coach of his caliber. Now he's a Stanley Cup winning coach. Mm-hmm. He's in the $5 million range. And if Washington doesn't want to go there, then the offer almost becomes moot. It's like Ottawa saying they're going to offer Eric Carlson a deal. They say it's going to be fair, and then it's up to him. Yeah. Well, you know the offer's not going to be enough. Yeah. Then he's going to say, no, trade me, aside from the other stuff going on, which we'll get to. Yeah. But you know, he's going to say, trade me, and then Ottawa can wash their hands and say, we made them the best offer we can do. And so I think there's still a little bit of you room do. Okay. to run here in Washington. You do, okay. All right, so I, I kind of, everything I read kind of seems like it's working for a deal, but you're not 100% convinced yet, huh? No, and, yeah. I, and there's no way that Trotz, uh, being the type of person that he is, is going to say anything at all inflammatory. Mm-hmm. He's just not going to yep. right now. They're just through the parade. They've, you know, they got to get to this fast, though, Steve. They don't have time. Yeah. Because, you know, his contract's up July 1st, and if they don't do this in the next week or so by the draft, then I don't think it's going to get done. Right, right. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And, and we're going to touch on some timelines here for for teams with, with the draft coming up June 22nd. Dallas, of course, and then, and then July 1 is here. Um, all right, do you want to move on to Ottawa now? Do you want to touch on that? Yeah. Uh, Wow! Might as well. Wow! Um, there's a there's a lot going on with the Ottawa Senators between the assistant general manager and Mike Hoffman and Eric Carlson's uh, fiance and uh, and girlfriend. Wow! Uh, go what Ray? No, there's there's even more there's even more than that though, Steve. Um, because the way that there is a litany of mess around the Senators. It goes back to the day they were formed when they didn't have enough money. Right, right. And somehow they put the team together. Then they played in this old junior rink that mm-hmm. was garbage. Then they built the rink six miles from the center of nowhere. So nobody can get to it. It's way out in the middle of nowhere. Canada's 45 minutes from downtown. Yeah, yeah. So then they get into, you know, now they're starting. They're rolling around. They're a terrible team. So a couple of years ago, after, you know, they, they went bankrupt once, you know, this team has never really been on solid footing. So two playoffs ago, they go to the Eastern Conference final. Eric Carlson has radical invasive ankle surgery. He comes back this year. He's not ready to start. And when he does play, he's nowhere near Eric Carlson, nowhere near the standard that mm-hmm. we're used to seeing him play. So they get off to a terrible start. Kyle Turris has a contract dispute. They have to trade him. Um, there's rumors about the the players don't like the coach. Yeah, that the room's unsettled. So Turris is gone. The team's a mess. You know, it's I mean, it's a mess. It's, yeah. You know, I do 25 Senators games a year. It it's all it was awful. Right. They finished 30th. They their assistant general manager is charged with some kind of you know harassment in Buffalo in this incident just 10 days ago. They get 
their baby clothes pulled off the market because they choke <laughs> yes. and or are partially flammable, flammable. Which seems to be an issue with clothing. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? Yep. And the most iconic player in franchise history, and Daniel Alfredson, has said in an interview he thought was off the record, mm-hmm. which I don't know yeah. how that went, but anyway, that they need new ownership. So he said that. And then this thing with Mike Hoffman's fiance and, and Eric and Melinda Carlson breaks, which apparently had been going on for months. Yep. We just find out about it now. Yep. What a mess. And Hoffman. If you're an Ottawa Senator fan, oh. first of all, my condolences. Secondly, how do you fix this? How can you possibly bring any faith back to the senators? Yeah. To the, to the, to the organization? How can you bring quality, an ideal of quality, back? I don't know how you can well, the, the the thing I think about is, so Hoffman's been on the, rumored to be on the market for a while. You probably knew that. Everybody yep. kind of talked about it. Yep. Good luck now. Good luck getting something back now because they got to get rid of him. Well, There's no way he can stay. Well, the, so. the only way you can get anything for him is if whatever the inve- police investigation is, if it gets cleaned up in relative short order. Yep. And if, if that's the case and there's a resolution one way or the other, then you would yeah. then you'd be able to... You know, to, yeah. to perhaps and, and, move on. And for but the record, he's denying it. You know, yeah. For the record, he's saying he's him and his his fiance or girlfriend has nothing to do with this. And so, there, well, somebody yeah. is really wrong here. Somebody is very, very wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't know anything about this part of it, but I would think if there's over a thousand messages, which the Carlsons claim, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it should be relatively easy to figure out. Yeah, which. Yeah. accounts they came from. I don't know if it is or isn't, Yeah, but it seems like it should be. Yeah, I think you, like like Brian Colangelo from the 76ers, uh, hey, Instagram or Twitter, uh, what's the email, recovery email for these addresses that were deleted? Oh, okay, thank you. They trace back to whoever, right? There we go. I mean... Right, I, like, I, yeah. I think you know, my guess is it should be relatively simple, but yeah. maybe, maybe it's not, but I just... Oh, it's yeah, bad. There were two... <laughs> There's a couple of things that popped up here that really strike me. One, Kyle Turris's wife and Andrew Hammond's wife both spoke out publicly in support mm-hmm. of Melinda Carlson, mm-hmm. saying that this has been going on for a long time, and it's now a public matter. Yep. So when I read that, yep. I was like, yep. Yep. uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah. You know, like that's, that's, um, you know, that's a little bit of um uh, a red, a red flag, yeah, a little bit of a red flag. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't doesn't look so good. So, I'm I'm not <laughs> sure how this is all going to play out, but right now it doesn't look very good. No, and they they may lose Carlson. They may decide to trade Carlson and keep Hoffman. Even people need to realize that if that works. I, I don't know. Or maybe both guys. Well, I don't. I don't think they don't want to keep Hoffman. They've already that's already yeah, out. Right. I mean, they want to move Hoffman. Yeah. But right now they might not have a choice. Yeah. And and, and, and so they don't want to, you know, they'd love to keep Carlson. It might be Carlson might not want to sign there. Um like they they have an absolute an absolute mess on their hands. Yeah, they do. Um when you were playing, and I know this works for my sport that I cover, 
there's plenty of drama with wives and girlfriends, is there not? And, and maybe not something like this. This is very specific, very bad. Uh, if, if this is true, um, the things that were said, this is a little different in the world of social media. But drama and wives and girlfriends, it's it's real in professional sports. It, it is. Yeah. And what what's interesting is, like, so if you work – in an office, and there's 25 guys in the office. Mm-hmm. You're not going to like all 25 guys. Yeah, that, that just doesn't happen. So, some guy becomes, and, and you have a dispute about something. You tell each other to f off, and then you kind of go to your corners. You ignore him; he ignores you. Most of the time, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Same as on a team. There are guys that don't get along. They don't have anything to do with each other, and it's fine. If it gets to a point where it's a real problem, then player A's got buddies, player B's got buddies. Now there's a divide in the room. Yeah. Then you've got a problem. Now spill this over to the wives' room where you have, you know, 15 to 20 women who don't know each other. They're thrown together. Mm-hmm. You'll be best friends. Yeah. You, yeah. Right. you sit together at the games. You sit together in the wives' room. You know, you meet the family room. That's where you go meet. Yep. So you're always together. Whenever there's a charity event, you're always with the other women. And if you don't get along, well, there's nowhere to go. The husband, of course, unless he's a complete rockhead, is going to side with his wife and or girlfriend all the time. Mm-hmm. So now you can see where if there's a problem between my wife and your wife and we're at a, an event, now, I can't go near you, really, because yeah. my wife hates your wife or yeah. vice versa. Yeah. And yeah. It, it just turns into a boondoggle that can't be fixed. Yeah. yeah. And so for in your coverage of the Senators games, you may not have known about this specifically, but you did, you did kind of know, you did hear things about this team is not gelling. This team is not like each other. There's yeah. things, we we yeah. knew. Right. And we talked about in, you know, in roundabout terms, yep. because that's really all we knew. Yeah. Something's not right here. The um, the room is fractured, mm-hmm. and there was enough stuff that it even seeped out that we had, you know, we had. Um, yeah, any, an inkling, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you couldn't talk about it with any fact. Yep. Really. So yep. Was, you know, you're not going to defame somebody. So you kind of talk around the issue, knowing that it's probably bigger, but you just don't know. Yep. So most likely Hoffman gets shipped out of town uh, and uh, Eric Carlson, they try to resign him and maybe they even lose him too. the Ottawa senators, everybody. This, this is it. It's a, it's a mess. It's not, it's not fixable very easily. I don't even know what the clearest path is because no matter what you think, you can say, well, they just trade Hoffman, but we've already been over it. It's not going to be easy to do. Yep. Yep. You know, and you can say, well, just trade Carlson. Well, that's not going to be easy to do either. Like, yep. he didn't have a very good year, and now all of a sudden he's got ankle problems, or does he? Or is he healthy? I don't know. How many assets are you going to trade? Well, you're going to have to make that decision, and it's not an easy one. And, and if you're the GM of another team that wants Hoffman, there's zero chance you're taking anything to do with him until this is figured out. You don't want Mike and his girlfriend coming into the room, right? You, you just go, hey, i got to wait till this thing's done. Oh, you, you 100% yeah. have to yeah. find yeah. out. Yeah, you can't. Like, yeah. I, you, can't just, you can't just bring uh, 
a question into the room right. and try to and say, yeah, yeah, it'll yeah, be better. It'll be all okay, right, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, uh, that's an enormous, enormous chance, yeah. and I can't imagine that anybody would do that. Oh, boy. Lots of fun. All right, let's uh, move on to the next topic, uh, something that you uh, tweeted about today and uh, we both read. Uh, Nick Boyton, former NHLer with a, a number of teams, uh, won a Stanley Cup, uh, wrote a very, a very uh, uh, emotional and in-depth piece on the Players' Tribune about sort of his issues while playing uh, due to a lot of uh, head trauma, and then since he's retired, the issues he's kind of gone through, and boy... Uh, that was dark, right? It was. It's, um, you know, as I tweeted, um, you know, we know this is not a one in a million Mm -hmm. anymore. We know this is really far too common. And this is the thing I think people have to understand. The lawsuit is one thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's one thing. The... You know, and the league, of course, is, you know, they're, they're denying any connection between CTE and concussions. And that's going to get, that'll get determined in court. But what the other issue is, and I think it's every bit as important because, it, you know, the league is ongoing, mm-hmm. is that the care for the players can't be what it used to be. It has to be more. And it's not just, oh, we're going to take more time with a concussion. There are all kinds of centers um, with, that have done just great work. And the one that Nick Boynton's talking about with Dan Carcillo and Andrew Alberts, they're in the, um, you know, they're in the article, mm-hmm. is a, a center called the Plasticity Center in Orlando. And you, you see Dan Carcillo talking in, in, in the video, in his video, which came out today, about he's starting to get his life back. He's starting to be able to go out in public. The sun doesn't burn his eyes. Yeah. He doesn't just start crying for no reason. Like, these are real issues for 30-year-old men. Like, this is, yeah. this is serious stuff. And I don't think the league and or teams, whatever they're doing now, and I, and I know because, you know, I know enough players yeah. that are in it, it's not enough in most cases. It's not, it's not enough. It's not negligent per se. Like that's, that's not what I mean. Yep. It's just not enough. There's more there. there. There's more, there's more care to be had. Yeah. Nick's story. When you, oh, sorry. when you, sorry, when you see and read about a guy that's sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden he just breaks into tears and he doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. Do you not think? If you're an owner and those players are on your team, um, an owner slash league, that you owe them something, you owe them the you owe, owe them the option of the care, the ability to find the care. Yeah, yeah, it comes down to a player for sure speaking up, which which you know needs to happen more often. It's not it's so much of a warrior mentality, right? It's you guys saying, "I can play through this. I can play through this." You know, and well, it's it's also not just that you can play through it; it's also that you don't think that you're going to get any help. <laughs> right? Like you saw the story that Boynton said he told the team they mm-hmm. were all really supportive. A month later, they traded him. Yep. 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 Like so, why are you going to bring anything up? Absolutely. Why are you going to Why are you going to put your career 
in jeopardy. Well, the reason you put your career in jeopardy is because you learn more and more that, oh, my God, there is a hell of a long life after I leave the NHL. Now, I'm lucky. I had a couple of concussions. And there are times where I fight just a minor, minor bit of getting depressed. But I don't know if that's just life right? or if that's got something to do with getting knocked out cold a couple of times. My my guess is it doesn't have much to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my guess. But I'm really fortunate. And 90% of the guys seem to be really fortunate when they come out of the game. It's not like everybody that plays or half the guys that play come out with these catastrophic injuries. But if they're one of ten, don't we kind of want to do better than that? Don't we kind of want to help? Like, I know there's some fans. Like, I, got, I get some tweets. Man, I'd do that job for, you know, for 1000 bucks a day mm-hmm. or for 20 bucks an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, you would. You're an idiot. Yeah. So you're going to do a job for $20 an hour that's going to give you brain damage? Like, why would you do that? Yep. Like, the, as Carcillo said, look, he's on the Stanley Cup. And he's like, I would much rather be healthy than not, and remember, as opposed to not being able to remember what's supposed to be the greatest time in your life. You live a dream. Man, I don't think the guys are saying, um, you know, we need to be bubble wrap protected. Like, I don't think that they, everybody kind of understands, man, you're going to get banged up. But what does banged up mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the rules don't go far enough. And I know, like, some people say, oh, you'll take all the hitting out of the game. I watch international hockey. I said at the start of this podcast that, you know, I, I do, you know, 40 yeah. international games a year. Their internet, the penalty for hitting somebody in the head is two minutes plus a 10-minute misconduct. You would be amazed at how many games go by with none of these penalties. Yeah. None. Yeah. And that is, there's no such thing in international hockey as an accidental hit to the head. It's just a hit to the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our league is going to get there, whether they want to or not. Wow. And the courts are going to make them do it. And the reason the courts will make them do it is there'll be another lawsuit sitting there somewhere. And they're going to say, well, we got to do this or else we're going to be on the ass end of another lawsuit. It, it's not enough in 2018 to just go, you know, I, we, we won't do anything about it. We, 1995 it no. was. 1995 it was fine, yeah. but not now. Well, here's the other yeah. thing. There's people that say, and some of this is on the puck carrier. No, it isn't. Yeah, none of it's on the puck. Yeah, yeah I, I don't get that don't, either. Yeah, don't don't hit anybody in the head. Right, That's <laughs> there, it. there you go. Right, and 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 fighting's at an all time low, and it'll be gone yep. soon. You know, yeah, but. whether we whether we want to or or like it or not, mm-hmm. that that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah. I look at some of these, I look at some of these old videos, and I'm like, my God, that's not even the same world <laughs> yeah. as today. Yeah, and you look at it and you go. It's bloody lunacy. What mm-hmm. the hell were we doing? Yeah. But that was that was the way it was. Yeah. And and everybody uses this example, right? We used to get in a car and you used to tuck the seat belt in the seat so it wouldn't bug your ass when you sat down. Yeah. Yeah. True. Right? Now you get in before you start the car, you put yeah. your seat belt on. Or and it's and it you do it without even thinking. Like things change. And and the game is changing, and the game will change. Man, look at some of those old football highlights. Those guys were headhunters. Yeah. Now, you can't hit like that anymore. doesn't mean it's perfect, because there will always be somebody. There will always mm-hmm. be some incident. 
But that's the game has changed. Football's changed. Hockey's changing, and mm-hmm. it will continue to change. Yeah, you sure. When when I read that Boynton piece, and I was going to bring that up specifically, you you beat me to it. When you read the Boynton piece about how he went in and asked for help, and everyone was sympathetic to him, and then they traded him like a week later or two weeks or what. I, you're like, yep. wow. Like, you really get a sense of this is the guy's living. This is how he makes money. This is all he's owned his whole life. And he spoke out and asked for some help, and he was shipped out of town. You're like, wow. Yeah, but then the yeah. worst part about that becomes what happened next. And that's, I just chose not to say yeah. anything yep. anymore. Yeah, yeah, which you can't blame him. I do not. Uh, yeah, I would never blame no, him for that. Yeah. I, I don't condemn these guys. Yeah. Hell, I don't, yeah. I don't condemn the league either. What I do condemn is the league not doing enough. Like, if they thought this was enough, then I could, I I don't know, maybe I could get my head around it. But there's no way they can think this is enough. There's too much information, no matter what they say. And I saw those depositions. Yeah. Right? Yep. And you're like, seriously, you've never heard of CTE? Yeah. Come on. Or even uh, the depositions uh, of Lula Morello when he was with Jersey. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Jacob Jeremy Jacobs said he's not familiar with the term CTE. Yeah. yeah. Well, seriously, then make yourself familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. TSN's Rick Westhead, by the way, I'm sure to the joy of the NHL during the Cup final, has been doing a yeah, really good so. job of, of covering this. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're they're always <laughs> thrilled with those. You know. I mean, they've got look. It's it's a it's a multi 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 million dollar lawsuit mm-hmm. before the courts potentially. Yep. Like I get. Why they have no comment on it yep. on any of this? Mm-hmm. I understand that. Yes, yeah. but it doesn't mean, like as I said earlier, it doesn't mean that they can't do more, because these are two separate issues. There's the lawsuit, plus there is the, what's going on now. Yeah, the care. What Nick yep. Boynton's yep. talking about. Yep. What Dan Carcillo in particular is talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting. Topic. I, I I would guess that they if they came out and banned fighting tomorrow, the lawyers would say, "Look, they banned fighting. They know CTE head injuries exist." I don't know. That's just a theory that that I have. Like, well, but I, but here here's the thing: they could ban fighting tomorrow, and there'd be an uproar, and then in time it would just that would be it. No, but I wonder if it, it would just, if it would weaken their case for this lawsuit. That's what I wonder if it would weaken their case. Well, yeah, yeah. nothing's going to happen until they figure out what's going on with this lawsuit. Yeah. I mean, yep. You know, but that doesn't help the players today. But what it can't, what can change mm-hmm. is the, um, as I said, is the continued, um, uh, the yep. continued pursuit of of more and better treatment because yep. it's there, it's available. The treatment the guys get today is better than three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and the guys should have access to it. Thanks for listening to the Paul Pocky podcast with the great Ray Ferraro. With such a limited time in which to enjoy your watercraft, don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect your property in the event of accident or theft. Let Wyatt Dowling ensure you are properly covered. Allpointsinsurance.ca. All points marine coverage. All risk. Agreed value protection. Claims paid without depreciation. Three-year new model replacement. Yeah, lots of good things with this if you have a watercraft and you want to protect it. Uh, wakeboard as well and uh, water ski coverage available also as well. So thanks to those guys. If you've got a watercraft, you want to insure it, look into allpointsinsurance.ca. All right, back to the show. 
All right, Ray, uh, next up uh, for the show, some new coaches. We haven't touched on some of these hires because of the playoffs and what's been going on and uh, and everything else, but let's touch on them now. Uh, Jim Montgomery in Dallas, David Quinn in the Rangers, Bill Peters in Calgary, Rod Brindamore in Carolina. Uh, thoughts on those? A couple of college coaches, an ex-player, and, uh, and a coach jumping from the Canes to the Flames. Well, we'll start with Peters because he's the – you know, the most experienced of the group. And so, you know, he goes from Carolina where they've never made the playoffs to Calgary where they were a a major disappointment to miss the playoffs this past year. Um, You know, Bill coached it at the World Championships for Canada Mm -hmm. uh, this past May in in Denmark and really not a, a great showing for Canada. And so some of that, of course, is on the players, some of it's on the coaches. And um, I would say there's a, a sentiment that Bill's a very good coach, mm-hmm. yet there hasn't been any results yet. And so you you look and think, okay, did he get sunk in Carolina by yep. not having a goalie that could stop the puck? Yep. Or was there something else? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. I happen to think he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. However... As I said, eventually the results have to be there. Sure. Yeah. So they didn't. They didn't take much time. You know, he had a note in his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't going to leave Carolina with one year left on his deal if he didn't have another deal. And so, you know, it kind of the timing had to work pretty quickly. And so it works in Calgary, and he gets hired there. So I don't think it's um, it's not a controversial hire. It's mm-hmm. not a a huge chance. Um, yet it's um. I, I would say it's a little bit surprising that they went so quickly to Peters. You know, like they had to yeah. get him signed right away. Yeah, they were. They, so that was this, a was of, a, this was their guy. It seemed like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so that was a bit of a surprise to me. <laughs> um, that, so that leaves the opening Carolina, and Rod mm-hmm. Brindamore moves from a, you know, from an assistant's role into the head coaching role. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know what to expect in Carolina. They've got the new owner and Tom Dundon. Yep. Uh, you know, the new general manager is one that hasn't been a general manager for 15 years, and that's Don Waddell. And, you know, the he last was, time he was a GM was with the Thrashers. He and, was your guy. You know, he was your guy. Yeah, you've heard, you've heard enough stories <laughs> about the Thrashers. Right. So, you know, I, I'm uh, – I, I don't I, – I put it this way. I'm not going to say this is this is a uh, earth-shattering hire. This is, to me, is a hire of convenience. Right, right. And of and – of, you know, of um, looking around and being like, "Oh, hey!" No, <laughs> like the the money had to work. Like yeah. They weren't gonna, you know, the money that they were willing to pay this position. Um, some other guys stepped right out of it. You saw the number of people that backed away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Don had been there as the president, and um, so he he takes over and they hire Brindamore pretty quickly. I played with Rod and won uh, World Championships. He's, um, you know, he, he was always a, considered a very good two way player, mm-hmm. a very a very smart player. Um, as a coach, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what it's going to be. I will say this, unless they get a goaltender, it doesn't matter how good a coach he is because they, they haven't had one in Carolina yeah. in like forever. Since Cam Ward was really good, they haven't had one. Yep. So, you know, a lot of Brindamore's success will be tied to that. Now, I'm, you know, there's lots of rumors around that they might trade Noah Hannafin at the draft. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of moving parts in Carolina. I think it's a, 
a huge chemistry with, experiment. With the uh, with the budget that they have at Carolina, how can they dump Scott Darling on anybody with that salary? They have to move on. I mean, I think they have to just hope he rebounds. To me, I don't know who would well, take him. And I, I don't. Well, there's only two options, and one is to hope that he rebounds. Yep. And two is to buy him out. Oh, well, that would be. Dude, that'd be pricey. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think I don't think you buy him out with three years left no, on his yeah. deal. Um, you know, I mean that's so that's twelve million dollars. You pay two thirds of it, and yep. so um, two thirds over twice the length of six the contract. Six years. Yep, six years. Yeah. So you'd have six years of of payments. Um, oh, so what's two thirds of? You know, know, so they got they got to go eight million dollars. Uh, spread over six years, so that would well uh, a million something on the cap. Yeah, and this it's not like this owner scraping nickels together. You know, he's got True. he's got plenty of dough. So we'll see. Yeah, but yep. I watched him at the World Championships, and it didn't look like there was any rebound there. Sure. you know, he didn't get the net much as Keith Kincaid pretty well ran the show in goal for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've, I mean, you know, Carolina's got to find a goalie, and they've got to find one fast. Yep. Um, you know, it might be Philip Grubauer from Washington. Um, you know, a lot of teams are going to poke around at Grubauer, who yeah. Washington won't be able to sign with the way that their cap is. Yeah, you. you uh, I remember you said, "Hey, Vegas is going to grab this guy." When you were at the Worlds last year, you're yeah. like, "Well." Yeah. And then what happened was Nate Schmidt became available. Yeah, which I don't think many people felt he was going to be. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And as soon as he did. Yep. Then all of a sudden, Grubauer wasn't as much of a yeah. of an interest point to them. It, you know, yeah. it was Nate Schmidt. I just uh, um, I found it interesting that last year you were already like, "Hey, this guy," because it's kind of a breakout year for him last year. This year, you know? oh, he's good. Yeah, I he would be a definite upgrade in in Carolina. Right. I mean, like not even close. Um, so that gets us to the college guys. And yep. I think slowly, Steve, what we're seeing is the you know the balls turning over into some fresh faces and. What is becoming apparent is it doesn't really matter if the guy's from junior, if he's from college. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, the Rangers talked briefly, but to Ricard Gronberg, the head coach of the national Swedish team, you know, so I, yep. I think the search, the net is being cast a lot wider. And so guys um, that have sterling reputations, um, albeit in college, mm-hmm. they're getting opportunities that guys just never got before. And maybe the door opened a little bit with Dave Haxtall. Mm-hmm. Um, in Philadelphia, and I'd say Dave's done a, a better than adequate job. Uh, the Flyers make the playoffs last year, and um, so you know, David Quinn's you know, David Quinn's had a a pretty long coaching career for a yeah. pretty young guy. Um, he had to leave the game early, uh, had to retire with a physical ailment, and got into coaching. And you know, so the thought has been that you know, when the time is right and the you know, the situation can knock him out of the water, then he'll take it because he had a, a great gig in Boston, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, coaching at, uh, at BU. Uh, as for Jim Montgomery, he's been thought of as a, you know, a really creative mind, uh, a real up-and-coming coach for the last couple of years. Um, it, it was a matter of time. I'm I'm a little surprised, I'll say, that the team that, that stepped out for him was Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would have thought they would go with a with a little bit of a different coach, like a, um, a veteran. I thought Jim would yeah. go, yeah, more yep. of a veteran guy, yep. only because I would thought I would have thought Jim would have been an ideal guy to go with a young team, mm-hmm. to grow with a young team, um, to teach the young guys. But 
you know, so in Dallas, you know, in the in the last three years, they've had Lindy Ruff, Ken Hitchcock, so two older guys. And so maybe they say, you know what, the time is right. The time is ripe for a new idea, a new way of going about things. And so, uh, you know, everything I've heard of Jim is that he's an excellent coach. And Dallas, again, would be one of those teams that was just so underwhelming last year. Um, yeah. Maybe he can give them a new way of looking at the, at the game that gets them back to the playoffs. This is finally it for Hitch, too, I think. I think this is finally it. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty much retired now. <laughs> right, right. Um, all right, uh, let's move on to some other uh, pressing matters. Uh, Arizona Coyotes, it seems like they're close to an extension with their uh, star defenseman, Oliver ekman Larson. Eight years at $8 million, I think I saw. Um, it sounds like it's it's going to happen, which, I mean, some people are saying, hey, what are they going to do? He was a year away. You know, you got to decide what you're going to do. But but OEL is going to make a commitment to uh, to the Coyotes. Yeah, and I guess I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm of two minds of this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I get why he signed it. It's sixty-six million dollars. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's a pretty easy math equation to put together. So they were able to offer him the eighth year that nobody else could could offer him. the The other side of it, of course, is that there's been so much instability around the Coyotes, and there seems to still be because the arena deal, while it's gone quiet. Is not, yeah. not settled. You know they they still don't want to play in Glendale. Glendale doesn't really want them there. There, you know, if you've been to the arena lately, it's you know they don't spend any money in it. It looks dirty and run down, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's a relatively new arena. Yeah, um, they have a lot, a lot of excellent young players, players with great promise, uh, players that are really interesting, but. I, I don't know that they're a playoff team, and somewhere in the eight years, you know that that team's either going to be out of there, or they're going to have a new arena somewhere, because they're not going to continue to play in Glendale for very long. So to me, it's a little bit of a mess, yep. and I was a little bit surprised that Ekman Larson signed the eight years. Yeah. Um, but as I said right off the top in discussing it. It's sixty-six million dollars, and I can understand clearly why he did. Uh, are you surprised at these Max Domi trade rumors? What, like, what? Huh? I know he didn't have a great year, but this is what you want. You want a young, skilled guy to build with, and I'm just like, wow, okay. Well, if you trade Max Domi, you're you're searching for young defensemen back. Yeah, and I would say the Coyotes are loaded, probably overloaded with forwards, and. Maybe they, maybe they think they can trade Max Domi and get a player like Noah Hannafin. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe yeah. you can trade a 22-year-old Domi for a 22-year-old Hannafin. Yep. And both teams get something a little bit more yeah. applicable to what their needs are. You know, sure. that's the type sure. of deal I see it. Right. I don't see it as, oh, we got to get rid of Max Domi. I don't. I don't see that at all. Yep. Although I will say. Not only did he have a down year, but what was really concerning is his goals were way down. Mm-hmm. And that's that would be a little bit of a concern point. Um, what, what would be concerning for me if I ran a team, Ray, was the draft on June 22nd, like I said, coming up uh, real soon, and then free agency on July 1st. This is you, – you talked – a few times already in this pod about, about trots and, and it's got to happen soon and uh, Grubauer might be on the market and it's the Vegas has got some guys to sign. All Everybody does. This is, man, 
if you're if you're in management, this is when you earn your dollars. This is going to be. I love this week as a fan. I love it, but man, would it be hectic? Yeah, it would, and it would be you know packed with important decisions to be set up. You know, you're not really making any decisions yet. You're building your roadmap how you're going to get through to the end of the month, Mm -hmm. and so. you know, they have their, the teams all have their amateur meetings, uh, probably about a month ago. And they, then they go to the combine in, in Buffalo and then they finalize their list. And so after the combine in Buffalo, they, they cement in their lists. And basically their lists one to, I don't know, a couple hundred. They list all the players. Yep. And they start ticking guys off when they get picked. And so if you're at number 12, and the player you've got rated eighth is sitting there. Even if nobody else has him rated at eighth, that's the guy you're taking. Yeah. If he's the highest guy on your list. And so, you know, the amateurs, they get, they get finalized before the combine yep. and then cemented in, you know, cemented after, in yeah. right after the, the combine. As for the pro scout meetings, those are something different. And those have to be done by the draft. And the pro scout meetings isn't just about the NHL. And so I think a lot of people would, would think that, you know, the scouts come in, they talk about potential free agents and potential mm-hmm. trades, and that sets up July 1st. Well, the reason it's got to be done before the draft and doesn't only include the NHL is because prospects are involved a lot of times in these trades. And so a pro scout will get, for example, he'll get six teams. And his six teams that he scouts all year are – NHL teams, yep. the American League teams, and if they have players in lower leagues as well. Yep. They have to build a book on those six teams. So if if I'm a pro scout for Boston, say, and we're making a trade with Pittsburgh, and they say, okay, who are the prospects we need to look at? Mm-hmm. That pro scout has to tell them. Like, he's got to be yeah, up to date on that. He's got to be like, this is what I think, yeah. Well, not this is what I think, this is what I know. Right, right. If, if you've got a bunch of guys, it's what you think, then mm-hmm. you've got the wrong guy. Sure. You want guys that are confident in their evaluations, guys that are sure that they're making the right decision, and then you've got to trust them. And so they put those that pro scout list together because the managers have identified, okay, we're looking for a defenseman or we're looking for a forward, and that might be in free agency, that might be through a trade. Mm-hmm. And then the amateur guys are running on a parallel track to build their finalized list. And so when general managers, you know, take the yeah. heat for a crappy draft, um, I, I, that's not really, really the case. Yeah, They'll have the final say on the first rounder, but after that, you know, they, yeah. there's no way they can watch the players enough. That goes on to the scouting director. Would- and there's a, a general manager that, is uh, I've, that I'm good friends with, and um, he says, how come when a team drafts a dark horse player who becomes a star, mm-hmm. they always talk about the scout that found him? But when a team misses on a first-round pick, they talk about the general manager. <laughs> they do. That's a very good point. That is an excellent and point. And I'm like, well, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah that is that is 100% true, isn't it? Right? Like, yeah, the, this it, scout it was really just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're in charge, whether you, whether you are or not. Wow. You're in charge of that. Would you, would they, would they pull all, uh, all the pro scouts into the city for a meeting? Yes. Everybody, like, will fly in type yeah. deal? Yeah. 
Yep. So they have all the amateur scouts in, mm-hmm. and they might meet on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yep. and then the pro scouts come in Thursday, Friday. Okay. All right. So it is just so it's a yeah. it's a week of meetings, and um, teams do it so they can get everybody in together. Um, you know, the amateur meetings are longer than the pro meetings yeah. because there's just so many players to go over, and um, you know, some parts of it, from what I understand, go pretty smoothly. Others, you know, guys get dug in and. Yep start to argue pretty good about the guys they like. And, you know, you want guys to feel strongly about the players they're promoting. Yep. You uh, you wonder if they make, as far as the, the July 1 day, you know, obviously there's a little bit of negotiation period beforehand now. That's something new. And you wonder if, if the teams are like, look, here's the guy we're going after, and this is the dollar amount we can pay or we want to pay and anything else. And I often wonder, like, okay, so that guy's gone. You didn't get him. Does the team just go, hey, we are out of the free agency game. Like, we couldn't get our guy. Or do we have to get a guy because of fans and media? Who's the next guy? What else can I do? Like, I wonder well, how that different works. Teams, yeah. diff- different teams do it differently. Yeah. Like, you know, when when Louis Erickson signed here in Vancouver, they went, you know, there was, they went hard after Milan Lucic. They didn't get him. Yep. And it was like they had $6 million a year to spend. And they went and spent it on Louis Erickson. They spent it on the wrong guy. Yeah, you would they would you would say and many other people. Better, right. They would have been better to throw their cell phones in the lake. Yeah. Right. On July first. Yeah. And they would have saved themselves thirty six million dollars. Well, they're such similar players, right? I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, they both got feet. Yes. But if you look at that summer, so Lucic signed, Andrew Ladd signed, Kyle Oposo signed, and Louis Erickson signed. And they've all been a swing and a miss so far. Yeah. All four of them. And they all signed big money deals. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. They, when you, 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 these guys in the, and the, these capologist guys in the media, they do the math and they look at the salary cap and look at the rooms the team have. And they're like, you don't have much room. They're up against it. And then you see these dollar signs and you're like, how did that happen? Oh, wait, they stretched it out over eight years. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I got I, it. I, I wonder, well, don't forget, um, Eight years is only for a, a yeah, team can sign its right. own free agent. Sure, most time, you know every other everybody else. If I'm signing somebody else's free agent, it's seven years. Yeah, right. So seven years, and you're like, oh, that's how it works. He's 32. Yeah, and they just signed him to a seven year deal. You're like, yeah, which makes no sense. <laughs> right, right. Oh man, every and almost every team's got a deal where you're like, what was going on? You know, uh, almost, yeah, you know, every team's got one or two for sure. Yep. Um, so yeah, it is hectic right now. Um, how much do you, you know, your your job? You're not an insider like Drager, Bob McKenzie, and these guys. How much do you track this stuff, if at all, about who's talking to who and who may go who? Because like you said, you, you have to do uh, very little. Very little. Yeah. Very little. It's not. It's not important for me to. Yep. Uh, to dig that stuff out, that's what those guys do. Uh, what's important for me is to be familiar with uh, rosters, mm-hmm. what teams might need, um, who they might pursue. And so when a team on July 1st makes a signing, I can evaluate yep. it rather quickly. Yep. That, that's my job. Right, right. So it's not sort of already like, after some guy signs, sometimes you hear like, oh, that was... That was rumored for a long time. You don't really hear you in your position. You're not really digging around for that too much. Well, yeah, but there's none of that now. There's, excuse me, there's nothing that can be rumored right now other than it's just hot air. Yeah. Now, once that week courting period starts, mm-hmm. then you start. You know, we start to hear a little bit more yep. um, about who's meeting where, and right. you know, you make a you can make a call or two, and it's 
pretty easy to find out whether teams think they've got a deal done or not. Yeah. Uh, getting back to the pro scouts, you see a lot of ex-players doing it um, on the scouting list and, and who's there. And seems like a good gig outside the travel, I guess. But, man, you get to go to watch hockey and make some notes and hang out with some guys that you well, know. But you, there's, know? you know, yeah. but there's always something you don't think of, right? Yeah. Like, so you say outside of the travel, well, that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, number two is it's a pretty solitary life. Yeah. Like, you're watching hockey, but you're not fraternizing. True. You know, between yep. periods you can. Yep. But, you know, during the game, your job's to watch, to make notes, and to build a book on these players. Mm-hmm. And then when the game's over, you go back to the hotel. You might grab a beer, but you go back to the hotel. Then you got to file your reports. Then you're on a plane the next morning. a couple yeah. hours. Yeah. You know, so yeah. then you're like, oop, up the next morning and on to the next city. Yeah, True. Just seemed like a good gig, though. You get to watch hockey, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot more to it. Well, so, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's different yep. to watch hockey oh, yeah. for fun, right? Or to watch hockey for work. Now, I'm I'm watch. I'm going to get up at, you know, in in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get up at six o'clock to watch the U.S. Open tomorrow, on Thursday morning, and then at seven thirty, then I'm going to switch over to watch Russia play Saudi Arabia in the open air opener of the World Cup. Now I'm doing that because I want to. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I grab a coffee, I sit there, and I enjoy it. But if I'm sitting there taking notes, it's yeah. a whole different thing. Yeah, uh, like yeah. when I watch a hockey game at home during the season for a game that I have coming up later in the week, man, I got a notepad and I got a hundred different things going on it because I'm trying to yep. write notes to myself. Tomorrow, I can be certain I won't be writing any notes. Yeah, um, I kind of know Ricky Fowler a little bit. Is he going to finally win a major? Are we, are we, God, I hope so. Okay, right. I hope so. He's in the motocross. I like the way he plays. Yeah, he's got style. He's yeah. got you know, he's got flair. He's in the motocross, so he, but, but a lot of mutual yeah. friends. So I've met him a couple times. Um, yeah, no, he, little guy, eh? Yeah, yeah. He used to race, I guess. And I'm always like, really? Okay, all right. Um, all right, let's take some Twitter questions. Uh, people have been wanting to ask you a bunch of questions. Uh, this is from Gussie's Farm. A lot of Islander questions. The Isles need a coach, sign Tavares, toughen up D, and tighten up goaltending. What do they do first? Uh, who are the good goalies and coaches available? Let's let's just do that. We know they're going to try to sign Tavares. We don't know if it's going to happen. Um, goaltending, Grubauer certainly is a, car, a target, right? Yeah, Grubauer would be. Jimmy Howard would be another one in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, may, Maybe you can pry him out of there. Um, he's got two years left, I think. And has had two really good years in a row. Um, those those would be the ones that pop to mind first. Yep. Um, you know, maybe Kerry Lettinen in um, in Dallas. He's a free agent. Yep. Maybe that would be somewhere that a team would look. But I'd be careful about overpaying him. Yeah. And expecting him to be able to carry the load because that's not been uh, the career path for him. Um, Aaron Dell is a guy in San Jose that yeah, people came are... kind of out of nowhere. And had an excellent year behind Martin Jones. He might be another guy that maybe San Jose would yep. make a move with. Um, but there's not a lot. I mean, yeah. you, Anders Nilsson in Vancouver is available, but I mean, they yeah. kind of already have they, that. They, they, yeah, I would think they do, right? You know, in Thomas Grice, they yep. kind of have that already. Um, so, I mean, Carter Hutton will be a very popular goaltender on July 1st. Uh, he played in St. Louis last year, had an excellent year, took the net from Jake Allen. Um, but, 
I would suspect he's going to have six or seven offers that he's going to be able to to shell through. As for a coach, um, well, Barry Trotz is at the top of everybody's list. And until he gets signed, that's, you know, that would be my number one choice. Uh, Sheldon Keefe is the coach of the Toronto Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs farm team. Mm -hmm. The Marlies, they're in, uh, you know, they're in the AHL final. And uh, he's a 37 year old guy who's, Come quickly through the junior and pro ranks. Uh, Lou Lamarillo knows him very well, and would be, um, you know, it's just a matter of time before he's a head coach. Now, I don't know if Lou would go there because he's never coached an NHL bench yet. Yeah, and maybe he might think he's a little too young for that. I don't know, but um, he would. He'll be a name that you that you hear about. Dave Tippett's still out there, um, hasn't coached in a couple of years now. Maybe yeah. maybe he becomes a candidate. Um, look, Lou, Lou's just going to get Jacques Lemaire back. We just know this, right? Just Jacques no, coming in. <laughs> Jacques will be on the, Jacques will be in the, uh, you know, in the front office okay. as an advisor and he's working on his stand. <laughs> what about Larry? Will Rob, Larry Robson come back? No, I mean, yeah. Larry's, Larry's 67 years old. And yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's just, it's too hard to coach at that age. Yeah. Um, not sure if this, if you know how much you know about this guy, but Charles Gloss wants to know, Ray, can Ty Ronning be a legit offensive threat in the NHL a la Jeff Skinner? Ty Ronning. Oh, God, he's got a long way to go. I mean, Jeff Skinner is a... Yeah. You know, Jeff Skinner was the eighth overall pick, I think, in his draft year, and Ty Ronning was a seventh-round pick. So, you know, it's a... You know... Apple, I, apples to oranges. Really, I, would yeah. say that's a, I would say that's a long... A long stretch to compare those two. Now, can he be an NHL player? I don't know. He's got to he's got to take the first step and turn pro, and then it's one thing to score a junior. Lots mm-hmm. of guys score a junior and score a lot, and then the pro game eludes them. I, I don't know how Ty will. Um, you know, his dad was a prolific scorer, a little guy. Yep. Ty's a little guy. Um, Man. I, I don't have the answer to that, but that's a long road to Jeff's game. Man, there are so many children of NHLers coming in. I don't know. I don't remember it ever being like this again. It, it's nuts when you pick up the Hockey News draft preview. How many the last well, three, I four think years? Part of it years. is it's um, certainly there's genetics to it. Yeah, there's a early love of the game. There's also finances to it. Yeah, you know it's it's expensive to be a hockey player. Yeah, you know, so a lot of players get their kid in it and they can afford. Coaching and equipment is never a problem, mm-hmm. you know. So I would think that's probably got something to do with it. Uh, we knew that Kovalchuk met with the Sharks. He met with the Kings, apparently. Dale Hunter's helmet says uh, so. Ray, with teams meeting with Kovalchuk, is there a dark horse team no one is talking about, but that you feel is in the mix? What do you What do you think he's going to go? Anything? Well, I I think he's going to go to a big market team. Mm-hmm. Um. Although I would say San Jose would be in the mix. Yeah. Um, he's going somewhere where he's playing with a good center. Like, the, if you don't have a good center, a guy that can, you know, that Kobe can play on his wing, yeah. he's not going there. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> he's going to look at your center. Yeah, yeah. The guy that gets 12 goals a year. <laughs> right, right. And he doesn't have to because he's going to have options. Yeah. And and he's 35, but you're still, you told us a couple shows ago, you, yeah, you're you're on board with oh, him. Oh, yeah. I'd be interested in him for sure. Right, right. He can still skate. He can really shoot the puck. I think he'll be more effective on the small ice than he is on the big ice mm-hmm. because you don't have to skate as far. Um, he's strong. You know, he's 210 or 15 pounds. Um, it would be easy to picture him on a wing with, um, you know, with Logan Couture 
or with Joe Pavelski or Andre Kopitar. Kopitar, yeah, yeah. You know, like those, Jeff Carter, like those all seem. Yep. Like yeah. Gee, that would be a pretty good centerman to play with. Seemed like a shoe in to go to the Rangers from things we were reading, but that now that seems. I mean, they think they're still in the mix, but now it seems like it's more of an open auction, you know. So. Um, well, yeah. I, yep. Well, I mean, nothing can really be done till the first, but yep. you know, Kobe's flying around and meeting teams right now, and um, you know, I yeah, the Rangers maybe, but it doesn't really seem to jive with what they're doing. No, not at all. I thought they were going to be yeah. younger, and then now they're going to sign a 35-year-old winger. That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Lucas says, uh, Ray, a favorite prospect of this draft, with the exception of Rasmus Dahlin. Favorite prospect? Uh, well, I'm a big Brady Kachuk fan. Yeah. I really love the World Junior Tournament he had. Um, he's feisty. He's got really good hands, smart, plays well around the net. I think he's going to be good, but I would say Pavel Zadina is a guy that um, I just loved at the at the World Junior Tournament. He's a scorer. I think he's going to score and be a legit mm-hmm. thirty plus goal scorer at the NHL level. I, I I really like the way he plays. He's he's fearless. He's got a great shot. He's agile and nimble in the offensive zone. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, from Jack Manning, uh, should the Golden Knights be trying to acquire picks and prospects, trading for immediate help, signing and free, signing free agents? Uh, wh- yeah, wh- what do you think they're, they're going to do or should they do? Should they double down on this success and go for it or just stay the course and, you know, let some guys walk because they do have some UFAs? And what, what, do you, what, what do you think they should do? Well, they're going to let some guys walk. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Like, they're, you know, given the way David Perron finished the season, I would say that, He's a he's a guy that's going to walk. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if they sign James Neal. If he's talking about six six or seven years, I'd be surprised if that's the case. Yep. But they also got $20 million in cap space. So I would think they'll take a run at Tavares. I think they'll take a run at John Carlson. Really? Maybe they re- Really? Oh, yeah. They're going big why like not? that. Okay. Yeah. You know, why not? And because when I say why not, you're getting players that are, you know, 26 and 7 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not at the you end. Know, you're, yeah. you're not at the end. They're in the prime of their careers for the next five years, probably. I would be nervous about going seven years, $12 million for Tavares because mm-hmm. I would worry about years five, six, and seven. Yeah. With him. Yep. Not so much with Carlson. Maybe they, maybe they look at trading with Ottawa again. You know, they were real close with Eric Carlson. Maybe sure. they try that again. But I, I don't see them feeding into the woodwork, and mm-hmm. um, but I also don't see them when you know the call or the you know the guy wrote in about trading for immediate help. Yeah, I don't I don't see them trading for thirty thirty one year old players. I just I don't see it. From uh, Corey Martin's race thoughts on Bob Cole being left out of the playoffs. I was a bit surprised myself, but uh, on the other hand, maybe not. Uh, what do you think, Ray? Well, not an easy call. I mean, no. I'm glad I'm not making these things, but, um, you know, there are contractual things that have to be considered. Um, you know, some of the other guys may have in their contracts they've got to work two and three rounds of the playoffs, and Bob doesn't have that protection anymore. You know, he's 84 years old. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that – that will play into the decision. If somebody is 
if somebody's got a clause in their contract that says they're working two rounds or working three rounds, well, yeah, that's the way it is. And so it's in a way, well, not in any, not in a way, it is sad because he's been a voice of, yeah. you know, 20 or 30 years of hockey. I mean, we've, yeah. we've enjoyed Bob Cole. We've loved his calls, his, um, his enthusiasm, the way he makes his voice crest and then fall. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how, how it ends. Yeah. It didn't even sound like Bob was going to be back full-time next year. I've wondered why, if they're thinking of easing him out, why wouldn't they have one game in each city and oh. make it like a Bob Cole celebration? Oh, that's a good idea, Ray. You yeah. know, go go west to east, east to west. Yeah. His last game should be Toronto and Montreal yeah. at the ACC. Like, that's, I mean, he deserves, he deserves the respect of a going out party. Now, maybe he doesn't want it. Maybe he'll tell everybody to go to hell <laughs> because that might be Bob's way too. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but he is, um, he is the signature of a lot of fantastic calls over the last couple of decades. I grew up right, with, Well, a yeah. couple of decades. Go right yeah. back to 74 when he says, they're going home. Yeah, yeah. They're going home. <laughs> the I'm Russians, right, yeah. Yep, they're um, going home. Uh, him and Harry Neal were my Hockey Night Canada guys forever. Uh, they were great. Forever. They were great. Um, they did a great job. Yeah. Harry was so so witty and so sharp. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and Bob was just no-nonsense and Yep. You know, just plowed through, and his, as I said, his voice was so recognizable. You know, if you were his analyst, apparently he does not let the analyst break in during the play, ever. Freaks out on them, apparently. Yeah, yeah. that's the uh, way it goes. Uh, Jesse wants to know... I'm not, I'm not his analyst, and yeah. we would probably have a debate or three <laughs> we, on that. Right. Uh, Jesse says, best Kevin Collins story. I don't even know. I should have prepped you with this one, but do you have a Kevin Collins story? Well, I got plenty, but I mean, Kevin and I never really got along. Oh, is that maybe one? Never my favorite official. Well, maybe I that was, was never why. his fa- Okay, I uh, was never his favorite player. Um, <laughs> okay. So yeah, I can give you lots, but yeah, there's, maybe you know, I'm not gonna ru- I'm not gonna run roughshod over over somebody. That's just that's not fair. But I will say, he never really liked me, and. Yeah. I never really got along with him. Uh, Paul Stewart, another not one of your favorites, Paul Stewart. Um, See, Stewie was different. Okay. Uh. Stewie, you could tell to go <laughs> F off. Okay. And he'd tell you to go F yourself. Right. And then I didn't need to talk to him anymore, and he didn't want to talk to me. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like, I, I could argue with him, but. It was just, it was different. It was more personal yeah. with Kevin. Sure, sure. I would say. Um, you retweeted something this week about the, the mic was on for the uh, Terry Collins of the Mets got ejected. And I, was I watched outstanding. it. It was great, right? Like, yeah. Uh, you just never know what like happens. When, yeah. when the umpire comes in, when the umpire comes in and he's like, okay, okay, you know, look, we're right in a jackpot right now. If, if we don't do anything, I mean, Syndergaard throws a 97 mile yeah. an hour fastball. First pitch of the game behind yep. a hitter who's had a brutal slide the night before. Like, everybody yep. knows what's yep. going on. Yep. And so, but that interaction mm-hmm. is off, is outstanding. Yeah. And the problem with it, though, Steve, is that was great. And great to see and great to hear and great to understand. 
um, a lot of times, and I've said this before, people want to know exactly what goes on, and then a lot of times they hear it, and they don't want to know anymore. Sure, yeah. They're, then they hate it. Then they start ripping the player or the umpire or the coach or the referee. Mm-hmm. Like they want, it's the old line, as I say, it's the line from a few good men. You want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Yeah. Because a lot of times what's said out there is not very pleasant. Yep, you're absolutely right. Uh, at one point, Collins calls the ump a mother effer, and, and the ump goes, are you done? Are you, you got it out? You got, yeah. you got it out? So, oh, it's good. Good stuff. Look at it on, search for it if you haven't seen it, everybody. On Ray's, Ray, Ray, Ray retweeted it. So, um, yeah. All right. Jeff C said, what do you think of the Lucic rumors? Uh, apparently, he's asked for a trade out of Edmonton, or the rumor has. He's asked for a trade out of Edmonton. Yeah. I, you know, whenever I hear this, he's mm-hmm. asked for a trade. A rumor is this, yep. a yeah, rumor yeah. is that. I don't really put too much credence in it because um, I, don't have the, I don't have the scoop. I don't have I don't have direct knowledge now. I think it's a difficult trade. He's got five years at seven million dollars left on it. Um, my God, that's a lot of money for a player who really had a tough time last year. Now you can bet that he's going to rebound, but are you going to bet thirty five million dollars on it? Yeah, for a player who yeah, no, no, no. is not a great skater mm-hmm. in a game that's faster. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a. I thought when they signed him that that contract was too long, and that it was going to bite them. Yep. Now I didn't think it was going to be in year two. I mean, they just they just fell off the table in Edmonton, and and you know, and Lucic wasn't the only one. Nope. Uh, Chris Curtis says, uh, Ray, you've done a few World Championships in a few different countries. Which one did you enjoy visiting the most? Uh, well, I love Prague. Yep. Um, Prague is an amazing place, one of my favorite cities I've ever been to. Um, We just came back from Copenhagen in Denmark, spectacular place. Loved it. Uh, St. Petersburg, Russia was astounding. It was like a a gem that I didn't know was going to be like that. I just, I loved it Mm -hmm. there. I thought it was great. So, you know... I've, you know, we've been to Vienna. Yeah. <laughs> like it's which one do I like best? <laughs> right, like, right. Which is your favorite ice cream? Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of all of it. It's uh, they've they've been wonderful events to work. Uh, sports stats, Matt Ray. Thoughts on Aginla for next year? Oh, poor Matt. Like it. He's a very biased. Aginla for he, what? <laughs> is he going to retire? Can he be a power play specialist? Oh, Matt. He's going to retire. He didn't play this year. <laughs> I know, Matt's. Matt's he's, he's holding on. He's holding on. It's over, Matt. Yeah, it, it's no, over. I, no thoughts. It's one year closer to the Hall of Fame. That's my thought. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, all right, John wants to know your top five must-play golf courses in BC or Western Canada. Maybe we'll just go three if you not put you on the spot. Mm, boy, oh boy, you're gonna piss people must off, play. are you? If, if you if you leave one out? Well, I mean that's no, no, okay. I'm not gonna do that. But it's like holy smokes, like all of a sudden you've got a in the province. Or Western Canada, he even said. That, 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 you've yeah, never, I mean, like yeah. that. Now, now you're really in the jackpot. Um, oh, boy. Uh, I would say Shaughnessy here in Vancouver okay. is, um, is an outstanding place. It's a private club here where they had the Canadian Open a couple of years ago. It's a uh, 
it's a it's a great place. Um, one of four or five courses up in Kelowna. Um, they have they have great golf there, um, but I, I can't really pick one because okay. I mean Harvest Club is really good. Uh, Gallagher's Canyon's an old time favorite of mine. Um, then you get over to the east. Oh man, there's. All right. I, I don't have five. Yeah. I, I don't. I I don't. I don't. I will say this. I don't travel around in BC enough in the summer to know mm-hmm. uh, which are my five favorites, and um, I probably should. Uh, Predator Ridge is in Vernon is outstanding. As I'm thinking about it, I I love Predator. I think it's a an outstanding place. All right. Uh, that would probably be my favorite right now. Oh, okay. Bert Smith says, what's your official you have the most problems with? I think we covered that. <laughs> I think we covered that, Bert. Um, uh, what are the odds uh, you'd place on John Carlson staying with the Capitals? What's he going to get? Well, what's, it's, it's going to be dependent on what other moves they can make mm-hmm. uh, because they're going to have to clear $8 million in cap space. Is that that's what he's going to get, you think? Yeah, eight? Oh, I yeah. think so. So, yeah. I mean, he's looking at, well, if I'm John Carlson, I'd point at Oliver Ekman Larson and mm-hmm. say thank you very much. Sure. You know, I mean, Carlson led everybody in points this year, and then he led every defenseman in points in the playoffs. Like, yep. he, he must, go to, he's going to say, how can I make less than Ekman Larson? Yeah. Uh, and he's right. Yeah. So, what do you think? Just depends. Yeah, clear clear space and everything. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I know they want to. I think he'd like to stay. Right. Um yeah. 65%. Okay. All right, perfect. I uh, think there's a better than average chance he stays. Sayers SC or Sayers something SC best dinner and beers combo spot on your travels this season. What's your, Dinner what, and beers? Yeah, what's your go-to, you know? Um, Hotel lounge, mostly, restaurant right? in Montreal. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm more a dinner and wine guy but um, than dinner and beers. They're, to me, the dinner and beers are two different things. Um, uh, there's a place, Emma in Montreal that I love. It's in an old women's prison. Oh, jeez. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a crazy story, but it is outstanding. And uh, I, I just, I really, really like that place. Um, I had this meal um, in uh, in Vegas at the Cosmo. Um, the, the name is escaping me. It's oh, it's something uh, in I've, essence. Yeah, uh, uh, I've been there. Yeah, uh, in essence, beauty, in be- essence, beauty in essence, beauty in essence. I thought it was yeah. outstanding. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah. And it's all tapas plates, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a really it's, cool it's, vibe. And I really like that. It's too dark. I would say those are my it's too dark two favorite ones. Um, any any sushi place in Manhattan Beach and in, in LA, mm-hmm. I love because I just love going down to Manhattan Beach. I you know I just I love getting down there. I guess um, an Italian place in the North End in Boston that would always be a winner. Yeah, and if you don't like the one you're in, walk six feet and go into another one. <laughs> um, it's too dark in that beauty in essence, right? 
Well, well what, are you, what are you doing? Are you like, I, I, it's too dark. I couldn't even tell who I was talking to. It's a little loud, too, but it was great food. It was loud. It was dark. A little loud. How old are you? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm an old guy. I like peace and quiet. I thought it was fun in there. Okay, all right. It was great food, though. You're right. It was great food. Uh, okay, uh, Crown Flower 2. Uh, thanks for the great podcast. Uh, he's a Swede. He'd be interested to hear who Ray thinks is the best Swedish NHLer and who the best Swede you have played with or against. I think this is the same guy. You've said it before, but we haven't covered it in a while. Go ahead, Ray. Well, the best Swede ever? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think we already had this question. We, you said Peter Forsberg. Well, I was going to say, but, like, I'm trying to think of a list of there's, like, a so many got Matt Sundin, Nick Lidstrom, Peter Forsberg. Like Peter Forsberg was to me was just he was a machine. He was skilled and physical and mean. Could you imagine Peter playing in today's game when yeah. he didn't have to wrestle with Adam Foot <laughs> or a player like Adam yeah, Foot yeah. all the time? Like just think of the battles he had. He had one playoff series against Scott Hannon. Scott Hannon committed three penalties on every shift. But back then, it was, oh, look how hard they're battling. Yeah. Adam Foote used to yeah. hogtie people. He was so strong. Like, they're all penalties today. Pronger. Pronger just Pronger, chopping. Oh, terrible, right? <laughs> right terrible. Right. And, but Peter was just a brilliant, brilliant athlete. Nick Lidstrom was so subtle and skilled and efficient. I, you know, Sundin was this powerful, dynamic centerman. You know, like the, the Swedes have been putting out superstar players for decades. Mm-hmm. Yep. And maybe the next one's coming this June. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Right. You are. You are pumped on him. Um, yeah. All right. Randy asks to wrap this up. Randy chirps you about Italy and the World Cup, but uh, he does want you to know. Uh, he does want to know who do you think will win the World Cup, and uh, who's you, who are you supporting? <sighs> Uh, well, we had to, um, uh, I'm actually, um, uh, we had to fill out some pools. Oh, you did? Because, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, uh, my 11 year old is playing on this team and, uh, they're going to a tournament in Gothenburg, Sweden in July called the Gothia Cup. And so the Gothia Cup is 1,700 teams, 1,100 fields, 80 something countries. It's been going on for 30 years. I don't even. I can't even imagine what this is going to look like. The opening ceremonies <laughs> is 35 or 40 thousand people. So we're you know fundraising for it, and yep. one of the things we're doing is we're selling all these raffle or pools. Yep. And so you fill them out, and um, I picked Germany to win again over Brazil. Um, I'm glad I didn't pick Spain because Spain just fired their I coach two that. days before because the tournament. He, because he committed to another team next year or something? Was that Well, <laughs> so what he's done is committed to Real Madrid. Okay. The sin of committing to Real Madrid is the fans of Barcelona can never <laughs> acknowledge that a coach from Real Madrid is coaching the national team. Oh, and wow. It would be the same as the coach of Barcelona. They, they just yeah. Can't, yeah. They can't get their head around that. It's <laughs> got to be somebody more neutral. Sure. And so this coach was told, don't do it yet. Mm-hmm. He did it yet. He did it. It leaked <laughs> out. He's gone. Gone. So I'm glad I don't have Spain. But I would say, so I picked, um, you know, I picked Germany to beat Brazil. My 
it's not even really a dark horse, but the team I think that's never won that could be that could be is Belgium. Hmm. Interesting. And I can't start I can't wait to get going. It is a shame that Italy's not in it. Maybe they could be in a tournament with the Netherlands with the Netherlands and, and the United and you, States. USA, and like sure. Right, right. Um yeah, World Cup, man. Catch the fever, which I, I cannot. Oh, but, I love uh, it's it. It's big, can't, yeah. You can't wait. It's such a great event and you know, even if you don't love the soccer, like if you're not a soccer fan, yeah. and you start watching it and you see the you know, the passion and the fever that this is played at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a great event. Great event. Well, all right. That's another uh, podcast for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Ray, for the time. Thanks for the questions, everybody. You can get on paulpocky.com, iTunes, wherever you get podcasts from, Paul Pocky. Tell a friend. Tell them Ray Ferraro does a podcast and, uh, and get people listening. Appreciate it. And uh, we will uh, check in with everybody next week on the latest and greatest of the NHL. Uh, thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. You betcha we'll be uh, just uh, basically on the eve of the draft, and maybe some stuff will start to uh, to trickle in by then as we get uh, really close to um, to draft day and when there. I think there's going to be some a couple of real big moves this year. Listen, people better listen because we have you for like two more weeks and it's gone. It's and then I am gone. Gone. So we we get a reaction to free agency. And then we will never hear from Ray again for months. That'll be it. Right. July 2nd, we're doing something, and then I'm gone. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ray. Well, thanks very much for doing this, and uh, we'll talk soon. You betcha. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for the questions. Really appreciate them. And uh, hope you're enjoying it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.